Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Amen. Hey, uh, good morning. This morning we're going to talk about being all in with Jesus Christ and for his kingdom. Um, Stand up with me real quick. Sorry to make you stand, sit, stand. I did just come back from a college retreat, so I'm used to rowdy people. I I don't know if you can be a little rowdy or not, but uh, just before we begin, put your hand on your heart with me. Close your eyes, and I'd love you to just invite God to come and really touch you today. And I'd love you to tell God that you're open to him to speak to you. So, Lord... We just open our hearts, and I invite you to speak to me, God. I pray that you'd really just come and pour into me. Lord, I'm open to you, God. We just invite your presence to come, that you would really minister to us and change our lives today. In the name of Jesus, we all said amen. All right, you can grab a seat. Um, My name is Jason. I'm the college pastor here at All Peoples, along with my wife, Hannah. And uh, I know I haven't gotten to to meet many of you uh, yet, but I wanted to introduce my family here with a picture at least. It's better than nothing, right? So that's my wife Hannah on the left. That's our newborn son. Well, he's 10 months. Is that still newborn? Uh, That's Justice or JJ. Uh, Naomi's uh, seven-year-old daughter. She is uh, awesome. Naomi Love. And then we have Isaac, my oldest son, who's nine and he was actually born on my birthday, which has been amazing. Uh, two weeks early, he was born right on my birthday. We just celebrated last weekend with kickball. It became his birthday party. Uh, but that's my family. Uh, just so you know, too, next week we'll be picking up on the prayer series and wrapping that up next week. So I want to make sure you know that. But today we're going to talk about the theme we actually had at our uh, college retreat, which is all in. So uh, we're going to talk about being all in for Jesus, all in for his kingdom. And I wanted to look at the life of Peter a little bit as we get started. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And the thing amazing to me uh, with a lot of these stories about people following Jesus is that there's words like at once and immediately they left everything and followed Jesus. And I'm the first to tell you that I was not one of the immediately people. I wasn't the at once I left everything and followed Jesus. In fact, I'm quite familiar with not being all in, but being half in. Anybody else know that from your past? Do you want to raise your hand if you're half in today? No. Oh, front. (laughs) Pastor. Trouble. So I'm well familiar with being half in. Uh, One foot in Jesus, one foot out or way out. How many of you did the splits when you were? in Jesus and way out of Jesus and some days you're all in and some days it's just a hand and then the other day you're just way out. 
And that's what it felt like to me. But see, I grew up in Spokane, Washington. No, okay. I was hoping for some Spokane pride, but uh, I moved down to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo to go to college when I was 18 years old. And I moved there to do architecture, which I dreamed about since I was 13 years old. I knew I was going to be an architect and to play basketball. That was my life. Basketball architecture. Let's do it. So that was the plan. And when I got down to college a few months in, I found that, you know, the, ch- the idea of church, I- I'd gone to a couple churches. I grew up uh, around churches, but uh, there was n- nothing significant about church to me. I-, I didn't believe that God was real necessarily. Uh, so I was just kind of floating around a little bit, not thinking about God much. And a couple months into school, I decided I'm done with the church thing. Don't need to do that anymore. Uh, and I was sitting there on a Saturday and thought, you know what? Maybe I should think about that. I know enough about what Jesus says. Maybe there's some important things. Uh, so let me think about that. So I, I decided I'll go to church one more time, and then I'll be done. So the next morning, I got up, walked down the street to this church. I didn't even know the name of it. It was a little white church on the corner in downtown San Luis Obispo. I walk in, sit in the back. They're playing some music up front. And again, I just sat there with that thought. Like, I've heard enough about what Jesus says. This whole heaven and hell thing, that might be worth considering for a second. That's kind of where my head was at. And so I threw up a prayer, first time in my life that I ever prayed. And I just, it wasn't odd fancy at all. I just said, God, if you're real, could you show me? Because people tell me stuff. Uh, lots of different stuff. I have no idea. And I was like, Jesus, if you're real, show me. And immediately, and I will never do justice to this story because you can't, but immediately when I prayed that, I felt God's like physical presence come uh, like all around me. I felt like God like grabbed and hugged me all around me. And I heard him say to me, I love you, Jason. I love you, Jason. I love you, Jason. Three times. And as that was happening, you know, if you've encountered God, I started crying, which is miraculous in itself, because I always laugh at the staff at all people's, my fellow staff members, because they're all feelers, and I'm like, not a feeler. So I'm not a crier, all right? If I'm crying, you know something serious is happening. And so I start crying. I'm trying to hold it together. And then... I can't even stand up. So God's God's speaking to me. I'm freaking out. I don't know what's going on. I collapse onto the ground. I'm weeping. I feel like an idiot because I'm embarrassed. And I'm trying to be, you know, I'm a freshman trying to be hold it together. Uh, There's girls there, you know. And and then I'm just down crying. And this goes on for a long time. And it was such an incredible encounter with, with Jesus. I walked in to church, thinking this is my last time at church, I walked out, like you could put a gun to my head and say, deny that Jesus is real. And I'd say, you're crazy, man. Jesus is real, for sure. I mean, it flipped me. And that's awesome. Like, it's amazing to encounter Jesus or to, you know, to have that revelation. But I will tell you, the next year and a half of my life was so hard. Because I now knew Jesus was there, so I threw a foot in. Uh, and then, uh, but I didn't leave the world behind, so I still had my foot over there. And for the next year and a half, that's where I lived. 
I didn't know what to do. I sort of floated in and out of churches, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I wanted Jesus, but it was, to be honest, a very miserable year and a half of my life. And I want to say that being half into Jesus is probably the most miserable way to live a life possible. Because you're just enough in to know there's more, and you're just enough out to feel completely convicted about everything you're doing all the time. And you're just being torn in two. It's tough. So I'd encourage you, if you're in the half, get out. Get into the all. Because... Uh, there's just life in it, you know. So a uh, year and a half later, I got invited to a life group in a little, uh, it's called Mustang Village, the student housing apartments, and changed my life forever because I saw th- there was about 10 people there. There's three guys, I remember it so clear, that I looked at and I was like, wow, those guys are all in. Like, they're like, they're the real deal. They know, they talk about God like they know God, you know, and so blown away. So I started hanging out with them all the time. From that point forward, it's been skyrocket uh, with God, and I was all in. Now, the slam dunk we dream of for you as a church, when I dream about our college movement, the slam dunk for an individual is if they at some point could say to me, Jason, I will go anywhere Jesus wants me to go. I will do anything Jesus wants me to do for the rest of my life. If he tells me to go, I go. If he tells me to stay, I stay. If he asks me to do that, I do that. If he asks me to go over there, I go over there. The rest of my life, lifelong service into Jesus Christ, that's a slam dunk. And I think, you know, that's really our dream for every one of us in this room uh, and for your families, that you would be all into Jesus for the rest of your life, that he would be your true Lord and Savior, and that you could follow him and do whatever he wants you to do. Amen? So that's the slam dunk. Now, this is really cool because when I was 20 years old, uh, I got to share the gospel message with somebody for the first time in my life. It was in Newport Beach on the beach. And uh, somehow somebody took a picture of this, which I'm still freaking out about why this happened. But somebody took it. So that's me on the left holding my feet for some reason. And um, I guess that's how you lead people to Jesus. Hold your feet. Uh, I was sharing a tract with him. First time I'd ever shared the gospel with somebody, and this is what I showed him in there. There's a picture. Uh, I said, this is the first kind of life you might be. The first is a self-directed life. That circle represents you. That S represents you. (laughs) You are sitting on the throne of your life. You are the center of your life. Everything revolves around you. Your life decisions are around you. And notice the cross. Jesus is there. You're aware that he's there. But he's on the outside. You're, you know, it's a self-directed life. The second kind of life is what's called a Christ-directed life, where instead of you being on the throne, Jesus is sitting on the throne, the center of your life, and you are a little S now, submitted, sitting at the, you know, at the footstool of the throne. Now, that means that your life literally revolves around Jesus Christ. When you make life decisions... It revolves around Jesus. When you make uh, lifestyle, your lifestyle is revolving around Jesus. Your family revolves around Jesus. Your budget decisions revolve around Jesus. It's when your life is literally centered on Jesus Christ. And I said to him, which circle represents your life? And uh, he said the first one for sure, like all the way, like the cross should be further. He said the cross should be further actually. And I said, which, uh, which circle would you like to represent your life? He said, definitely the second one, 
right? And so for the first time, I got to lead, lead somebody uh, to Jesus where he invited Jesus to be the center of his, of his life. And, you know, I know this morning that a lot of you are in that place where you would say, my life is that first circle, but I, I desire that Jesus would be the center of my life. The really good news is, is that you can invite Jesus to be in the center of your life today, and your life will change. He will become the center of your life, and you'll never be the same. And so, you know, this morning is a real opportunity for you to not let pass by as God's moving in your heart and your heart's pounding, that you would give your life to Jesus, you invite him into the center, and begin to, to learn how to revolve your life around Jesus Christ as your Lord, and let him sit on your throne today. So listen, it is worth getting all in with Jesus. So I want to talk about what happens when you go all in. Uh, so there's five things <laughs> that happen, because this is a sermon. There's like a million things that happen. But there's five, there's five things that we're going to talk about right now. Number one, if you're all in with Jesus, this one's profound. It's going to blow your mind. You get to walk with Jesus. So that's awesome. Jesus is a pretty dynamic experience, to say the least. Now, if you think about actually physically walking with Jesus when he was on the earth, Jesus was up to some stuff every day, and you had no idea what was happening tomorrow. You didn't know what was going to happen today, and that would be exciting and challenging. Today, we could be raising somebody from the dead. After we wake up in the morning, we could be traveling to some other country, could be going to another city. You know, wow, walking with Jesus, such a dynamic experience. You never know what's going to happen. And, you know, thinking about Peter as our example, I was just at a college retreat, so I'm going to ask you for a response. This is a faux pas with public speaking usually, but can you think of anything Peter experienced with Jesus that was pretty exciting? Throw it out there. What? Walking on water? That's not bad. Raising the dead? Yeah, that's not bad. All right. That's pretty exciting. So yeah, Jesus, uh, Jesus did so many things with Peter. I wrote down a few things when I was preparing just off the top of my head. It's like Jesus visited Peter's house, healed his mother-in-law from sickness. Peter watched Jesus raise a little girl back from the dead. Peter witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus, Moses, and Elijah and saw them uh, visibly, which is insane. Peter got to see the empty tomb of Jesus after he rose from the dead, after being crucified. Peter healed a man who had been crippled since birth. Peter also got to raise a little girl from the dead himself. And while Peter was in prison, you know, just everyday stuff, an angel came and just broke the chains off and walked him out of the prison. You know, Peter's life was dynamically changed because he went all in. He left his net. He left it all. He left his business. He even left his family and went to follow Jesus. And his life is a great example. This is a life that can't be explained without Jesus as part of the story. And it's been a prayer for me and for my family. Like, I don't want my life to be able to be described without Jesus having to be in the story. Like, you can't explain Peter walking on water without having the Jesus factor. Yeah? I don't want a life where you could just say, yeah, it was Jason, 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 Jason. Why not say Jason did what? <laughs> How did, okay, what else? Oh, Jesus was involved. Okay, that makes sense. So walking with Jesus is so exciting. 
It's so good to be all in with Jesus because he leads you, you walk with him. One, one great example from my life is I was single. <laughs> I know, what a rough experience I had to go through. I was single and I really wanted a wife. And I became a Christian and uh, I was like, God, I want a wife so bad. And uh, so in my, I can pull out my journal sometime and show it to you, but... I made a list of my wife, <laughs> very specifically. Uh, number one, British. <laughs> and I don't know why, I just wanted a British wife. I'm like, that accent is so good. <laughs> so British, number one. I prayed this every day for two years. I sound spiritual, but sometimes it was like, give me a wife, this one. You know, yeah, so... British, between 5'6 and 5'10, brown curly hair, fashionable, and I literally wrote funky but elegant. <laughs> to, I was trying to specify, like, fashionable, you know, I wanted to be pretty funky, you know, and awesome, but, you know, elegant at the same time, yeah. you know, loves to dance, loves her fan. Anyway, this list went on and on and on, and I prayed over that, and so uh, my friend and I, we decided to go take a trip to, to Europe. Uh, for a month, we do the you know the hostel classic hiking trip. Uh, our first stop's London. Never crossed my mind there might be British girls in London. Um, <laughs> go to London, and uh, I only know one person in London. Her name's Joe. She worked at our church a little bit uh, over here in California. So we went over uh, to her house for dinner, and she said, "Hey, I have some friends coming over." So we're sitting over at. I'm just sitting doing nothing. I don't know. We're just hanging out. Uh, Hannah is Joe's friend. Hannah walks in the door. And as soon as she walked in the door, I audibly heard Jesus tell me, this is the girl you've been asking me for. Like, clear. This isn't one of those, I think God maybe nudged me. This is, I heard God's, as close, I don't know, nobody else could hear, but it was like an audio, audible voice this is the girl you've been asking me for, okay? So I'm tripping out, trying to digest the fact. My first problem was that God just spoke to me, so that shocked me, and I was trying to handle that. And then I started thinking about what he just said, and now I'm just overload. I can't think about what's going on. I don't realize that Hannah's actually being introduced to me right in that moment. And my, my, my mouth is literally open, like you, like you think I'm joking, but my mouth was open and I didn't say anything to her. And she just moved on to the next flight. Okay, next, next person. So I'm, now I'm getting excited. Like, oh, that was God. And wow, that's an, <laughs> this is crazy. That's her. And then her boyfriend walks in behind her. And his name is Jason. Um, and I was... <laughs> That was bad enough. And then I'm like getting to know him and he's so cool and I like him so much. And I'm like, I don't want to like you and I wish you were so lame, but you're like a really cool guy, way cooler than me. And okay. And then I started asking around, like, what's the, guy, what's the deal with this girl and this guy? Uh, they're like, yeah, they've been together for six years. And they get, you know, everybody's like, they're getting married. So, so impossible. Then, then I start prodding Hannah. I'm like, Hannah, you should come to hang on California with us sometimes. She's like, no. I don't want to go to America. I don't want to visit America. I like the autumn. I don't know why she said that. I like the autumn in England. 
I like England. So <laughs> at that point, I go into a deep depression, literally. I was so frustrated and like, God, you said this, and this doesn't make sense. It's impossible. Anyway, we end up leaving. I get her email address. That's it. I got her email. Uh, this is before Skype and texting and everything, right? Uh, leave England, get on a train, go to Paris on a next leg of our trip. I told my friend, if that girl didn't have a boyfriend, the rest of the trip would have been canceled, man. But long story short, I said, God, I will give this four years or until they get married because you spoke to me. I can't pursue her, but I'm going to pray three things. Number one, break them up in Jesus' name. And I know some of you are praying that right now for somebody else. Break them up in Jesus' name. Second, speak to Hannah about moving to California. Three, speak to her about coming to Mercy Church, our church, where, where I was at. So I'm thinking four years. That I mean, that would be miraculous. Uh, long story short, Hannah, there, very soon thereafter, encountered God on a bus ride. Brought deep conviction into her life. She gave her life to Jesus. She then ask God, what should I be doing with my life? She breaks up with her boyfriend. He then says, you need to move to California. You need, three months later, she was in San Luis Obispo, California, living with a bunch of girls from my church. Uh, so she was there for six months, and we got to know each other at that point. And now we're married. So I just want to say, <laughs> what did I say? Did I do something wrong? Am I... Okay. I just want to say walking with Jesus is the best because that was impossible. And it was actually miraculous. Uh, I would have never, ever married this girl if Jesus hadn't spoken to me. If I, if I wasn't in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I would have floated through that day and moved on. And now I have my family that you've seen. We're here together serving Jesus forever. So you know what? Walk with Jesus Christ because you never know what's going to happen. And you get to have so I've I, I had a hard time narrowing down a story to tell for that right like every day something could happen today with Jesus Christ in your life awesome all right number two when you're on with Jesus you find your purpose you cannot know your purpose without knowing Jesus Christ you cannot know your calling without being called people throw around the word calling like this I'm like who's calling you exactly I found my calling. You'll find your calling when Jesus tells you what your calling is. Because he created you, he knit you together, and has you for a purpose. So you'll find your purpose in Jesus. I remember the day I was laying on my futon in my college apartment with my roommates. I was lay laying in the futon, 1 a.m., first time in my life. I was three years into college. I said, God, I don't know why I didn't ask this two years ago, but what do you want me to do with my life? immediately said, not architecture. <laughs> now, let me say first, just because you ask Jesus what to do with your life doesn't mean he's going to pull you out of your current plans. Normally, actually, your current plans line up with what's in your heart, normally. In my case, he did say, Jason, you're called to pastor churches. You need to get on, you need to shift. Three and a half years in architecture, I had to change majors. And that was tough. But I was so excited. I laid in bed that night uh, from 1 to 4 a.m., most excited I've ever been in my life because Jesus started downloading a dream to me, a totally new path, new direction. I was so confused about what it was going to be, but it was so exciting. And I want to say you, 
uh, need to ask God exciting questions. When you walk with Jesus, you get to ask him real exciting questions. And if you're brave enough, you'll ask him, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go this summer? Who do you want me to marry? Is it her? I'll tell you, I was dating a girl who God gave me a dream and told me it's not her. God will help you. Now, there's a hero of mine called John Wimber. And John Wimber is a hero of mine because he's a man who, who laid down everything. I want to tell you a quick story and tell you what happened from his life. John Wimber was a musician, 1963. He was a keyboardist for a band called the Paramours. So this is before Paramore. Never mind. Okay. Uh, he's actually credited with, with forming the band The Righteous Brothers. Do you know The Righteous Brothers? They sang Unchained Melody and You've Lost That Loving Feeling. You know that band. So he was a, this is his life. He was making a great career, a lot of money out of it. Now, uh, there was a woman called Lynn who is a friend of John and his wife, Carol. John and Carol. Now, their friend Lynn is constantly inviting them to come to this life group, constantly, over and over and over. One day, Lynn calls John and says, John, good news. Our life group is now meeting on the night you don't have to work. John was already prepared, though, he says, and he gave her the answer. Ah, oh, that's great, but I wouldn't really feel comfortable coming to a Bible study where I'm the only one who doesn't know the Bible. So no thanks, hangs up. Ten minutes later, Lynn calls back. John, good news. The entire group has agreed to meet on a different night, so you and Carol can just go meet with the leader and do the Bible study with just you guys. <laughs> So, interesting strategy. Now, John and Carol, though, said they were so touched by that a whole group of strangers moved their whole life over that they said, we'll be there next Monday. John ends up coming to Jesus at this uh, life group through this guy called Gunner, who started leading him to Jesus. And, uh, you know, it was then that John started asking God, what should I do with my life? Now, John says very clearly, Jesus told him, you need to lay down your career John said, that must be the nightclub career side of things. And then Jesus said, no, music, done. And Carol writes about this in a book. And she says, in the next few weeks, John sold all his horns except one that he traded for a painting that he knew I wanted. It was a sad, hard time in our new life as baby Christians. We had a station wagon in those days. And John loaded up the entire vehicle with boxes of music and records and arrangements. His whole lifetime of work that he loved went into those cartons. He drove up to the city dump where he pushed them out of the back of the station wagon and onto the piles of garbage and other discarded items. It made my heart ache to see him do that. He was totally silent the whole time. I pray that someday, one day, God would do something beautiful through John. So this is how this life started. And some of you know John Wimber, but John started going with Gunner, that life group leader, door to door to lead people to Jesus. John eventually started a Bible study, which grew. He started leading two Bible studies, which grew. Eventually was leading 11 Bible studies a week, personally, from people they had led to Jesus door to door, 500 people were coming to these 11 Bible studies. Eventually got a dream to plant churches, made a goal for his life to plant 10,000 churches, started the Vineyard Church movement. Then, as a result today, John died in 1997, but today there are 650 
U.S. vineyard churches, and there's 800 international vineyard churches in 60 countries. Isn't that amazing? You know, we see these great movements. We see these great churches. We have no idea that it started with one guy who drove to the dump and pushed his entire career out the back of the station wagon. You know, anybody you talk to that's done this, Anybody you talk to that's gone all in with Jesus will tell you the same thing that Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Come on, you got to get all in with Jesus if you're not. It's so worth it. Ask anybody around you that's all in, and they'll tell you the same thing. Why would I look back at it, that garbage? It, compared to my old life, it's garbage. Amen? Number three, when you get all in with Jesus, you come out of darkness. Jesus actually pulls you out. Jesus is the light of the world, it says. So when Jesus comes and shines on your life, you actually come out of darkness. Can I just say that darkness is way overrated and sin is really not that great? It really, you don't even ha know the half of what it does to you either. Living in darkness is confusing. You get lost and it harms you every time. C.S. Lewis wrote this about us. He said, we are half-hearted creatures, fooling with drink and sex and ambition. When infinite joy is offered us, we are too easily satisfied. Man, why would you give up Jesus Christ for that junk? Robert, Pastor Robert told me, he's like, you got to tell your soy sauce story. So I'm going to tell you a soy sauce story. I was in South Africa, uh, sorry, uh, South Korea, and heard that one of the college students at this church, they love soy sauce. So in their fridge, it was him and five other college roommates, they had a giant bowl of soy sauce in their fridge. Every single meal they ate, they had a big spoon, and they'd go in and scoop out the soy sauce and pour it over their meal. Every day, a few times a day, they said, scoop, scoop, scoop. Okay. They're college students, keep in mind. The light in the refrigerator had gone out. And nobody wanted to replace that because that's too much effort. So a month and a half goes by. The same bowl of soy sauce has been sitting in there the whole time, daily scooping out the soy sauce, reaching in, scooping out the soy sauce. Eventually, one of the roommates gets incredibly motivated and changes the light bulb in the fridge. To, the, to their joy, there was a dead rat in the soy sauce. And that rat was not a new rat. That was an old rat that had been there for a while. And every day they had been scooping this soy sauce over their meals. So I don't know if it's the best analogy of all time, but can I say that sin is like that? <laughs> Thank you, yeah, thanks. Sin is awful. And you scoop it up, tastes good for a second, and then you realize what you got, to, got yourself into. Sin is garbage compared to Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, really. So why would we, why would we turn to garbage when we, we can have eternal joy in Jesus Christ and all these amazing things? Number four, another thing that happens when you go on with Jesus is you become incredibly rich. You become incredibly rich. 
You know, God does this where you used to be dead, now you're alive. You used to be in darkness, now you're in the light. You used to be poor, now you're rich. It's in the Bible. I'm not preaching prosperity, though. So I'm not preaching this prosperity gospel, if you're thinking that. I, I mean, it's evident by where we meet that we're not <laughs> preaching the prosperity. <laughs> Is that okay to say? It's a great place, but come on, you know. We're, we're down to earth, real people. Listen, finances go up and down. I've had seasons in my life where I've made a lot of money, and I've had many more seasons where I didn't make a lot of money. But I can tell you that I've always been rich in Jesus. Now, biblically, it says if you are apart from Christ, you are poor in spirit, you are poor in purpose, you are poor in relationships, you're poor in love. But in Jesus Christ, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, in Jesus Christ, you are being made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Isn't that crazy? Like Jesus, it's a process, but Jesus is actually making you rich in every way. Every single way so that you can be generous on every, like every occasion. Are you serious? You always have some, every, every occasion you, you can be generous. Now, you are one. You are rich in spirit. Say, I'm rich in spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you now because you have Jesus. The, the power of the Holy Spirit, his gifts are in you. The passion of the Holy Spirit's in you. You know, uh, Peter said to a beggar, he said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. The guy stands up and walks. He's like, I don't have money right now. I might tomorrow, and I'll be generous with that. But today, I am rich in spirit, and I'm going to give that to you. You're rich in spirit. Number two, you're rich in love. Do you know how badly the world needs love? You need love. You're so rich in love. And when God, you know, the Bible says that God is love. He is love. You cannot have true, real love without God. So when God and Jesus is in your life... You have love to pour out. Do you know, uh, I love the, did y'all watch the Olympics? Did you like the Dick's Sporting Goods commercial? Like you remember that? The commercial says, in every person, a much cooler voice says, says this than me, everybody has traces of carbon, calcium, and gold. There are trace amounts of gold in every body, 0.2 milligrams. It's in our bones. It's in our bloodstream. But the highest concentration of gold is found in the heart. We are all made from gold. It's in us all. Only some have the strength to dig it out, is what they say. Dick sporting goods. Now, I love everything about that except the last line because I actually believe there's gold in everybody, but it needs to be called out of them. Like, you need somebody to love you enough to say, I see, like, like Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, you're, you're actually a rock, man. Like, you, you're Simon, this reed, this weak guy. No, we're going to change your name to Peter. You're a rock. I'm going to actually build my whole ministry on you, buddy. Let's do this. Now, like I do with my sons and with my daughter, is I'm calling them out, pouring my love into them, and calling that gold out. Because I'm rich in love. I have a level of love to give them that I never had before Jesus was in my life. So we have this, this richness of love. Say, I am rich in love. All right. You know what? One more thing you're rich in. You're rich in relationships. 
you have real family and real relationship. I always tell this story because it was really impactful for me. One of the first times we had a bunch of freshmen over to my house, me and Hannah, and we made dinner for them. Hannah, Hannah can make great food. That night we made some spaghetti, okay, which I thought was kind of not that great. Spaghetti, a little boring. Then we watched a movie that was sort of not that great. It was quite boring, so I was quite bummed at myself. Like, that was a really dud of a night. Great job, Jason, inviting these freshmen over. They're never going to want to hang out with you again. As soon as we walk out the door, uh, one of the guys says, Jason, that was the best food I've eaten in two years, <laughs> right? And the, other guy, uh, the other guy says, Jason, uh, I grew up in a house, didn't have a dad, and I've never seen a dad talk to his kids like you do. Never seen that before. Then the other guy said, I know it's like too good of a story because it's it's true story. The next guy says, uh, I've never seen my parents talk to each other the way you and Hannah, like the love that you guys have. For, we, we've just never been in a house like that before. And I just want to say you totally, if you've been in Jesus for a while, you forget how rich you are. You forget that the world does not have real love. They don't have real relationships. They don't have real friendship. And when we come into Jesus all in, we also call, come all into his, to his church, to this family. And you, some of you need to get all into Jesus and all into the church. You, today's your day. Get all in. That's why we do life groups so that you can be in real relationship and real family. And you don't realize, wow, you're so rich. And you know why the church doesn't grow? is because we hold back the best gift, which is ourselves, to people. We hand people tracks. We say, good luck, pray for you. We don't bring them into ourselves. And Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of a rich king who laid it all down and decided to become poor and gave us himself because that's the best thing we can give. So we need to turn around and we need to give ourselves to people. You need people in your house. You need people to be... In your life, you need to give them the best. The best thing I have to give people is my wife and my kids. If I'm not going to give them that, I mean Jesus. Even better. But you with me? Let's give ourselves uh, to people. Lastly, when you're all in with Jesus, you are actually thrust into the front lines of a war. And wanted to, to say that because... You find when you get in with Jesus that Jesus is actually up to something. He's on a mission. Jesus Christ was missional, is missional. And when you start walking with Jesus, your heart starts aligning with him. And you realize Jesus is on a mission to conquer the world for God's kingdom. And so we get on the front lines of these battles. And it's such a privilege to be a part of all people's church, part of the Antioch church movement globally, which we're part of. Got to spend some time with Jimmy and Laura Seibert, uh, the founders of Antioch. And Laura said something to me that really impacted me a couple weeks ago. She said, you know, because I asked her, how can I and the college movement be in the middle of what Antioch's doing globally? How can we be right there with you, Jimmy and Laura? Like, what can we do to be, be on the cutting edge, front lines with you? She said, you know what? I don't have a perfect answer for that, but I'll tell you this. Jimmy and I asked God, this is our prayer, God, would you give Antioch the missions that nobody else wants to do? Give us the tasks that nobody else wants to do. That's a romantic thought until you start thinking about it. God, give us everything that everybody else has said no to. 
And that's why we are so driven to reach the unreached people of the, of the world, why we want to go places that Jesus has never been proclaimed before, uh, because God's giving us those kinds of assignments, because we're a people that are all in. You know, my only desire these days is to be part of a move of God, like the Jesus movement in the 70s. We are praying together, and I know you're shoulder to shoulder with me, that we're, we're asking God let it come again like that. Let there be a Jesus movement globally. But you know what? That starts right here with me being all in, and it starts with you being all in to Jesus. And if we do that together, we can go see a global move of God like, like we've seen a few times in history. But would you do this with me? Get all in with Jesus today? Let today be a day that marks your life forever. Like that's the day I went all in. I remember the day that I did that. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but everything is going to change. Let's stand up together. Uh, first, uh, if you could all close your eyes with me. I, I know that there's many of you here. When I show those two different circles of two different lives, many of you here would say, you know what, that, that S, myself sitting on the center, on the throne, that's me. But there's many of you who would also say, I want Jesus to be on the center of my life. And I've never invited him into that place before. Or maybe, maybe you need to just make that move and say, Jesus, I prayed a while ago, but today I need you to come and sit on the throne. I want my life to revolve around you, Jesus. I want you to be in the center. So with our eyes closed, I just want to ask, if you feel like that's you today, that you would say, you know what, I want Jesus to come and be on the center of my life today. I'm going to dethrone myself and put Jesus in the center. Could you lift up your hand as a way of saying to God, that is me, Lord. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Just lift up your hand high as a way I see you in the back. Awesome. Awesome on the sides, so many of you, so good. Is there anybody else? Raise up your hand. Yeah, I see you on the left, on the back. Awesome. So good. Anybody else, you feel like, you know what, today I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to get him in the center. Great. What we're going to do right now, God bless you, man. What we're going to do right now, let's keep our eyes closed and let's all pray together with those that have raised their hands.